make the most of your life. When you remove the blocks that are holding you back, you can bring inspiration, passion, and purpose to yourself and those around you. This is the Hoffman Connection with your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon. Our hosts and their guests will give you the tools that you need to improve yourself by bringing you closer to what really matters. Now, here's your host. Welcome to the Hoffman Connection. I'm Razin Grassi, president of the Hoffman Institute, and we're coming to you live from San Rafael in beautiful Northern California. If you've never heard of the Hoffman Institute, we're celebrating 45 years as the leading personal development program worldwide. We have uh, 13 sites across 11 countries, and our programs are, are for people who are serious about change. If you want to change, the Hoffman Institute can help you do that in a very powerful way. And the purpose of our show, the Hoffman Connection, is to bring inspiration, education, and tools for change. And uh, we offer the Hoffman process about every couple of weeks here in the United States. If you want to know more about that, just go to the HoffmanInstitute.org, HoffmanInstitute.org. And, of course, there is a free weekly introductory call uh, right after this show. So you can learn about that at HoffmanInstitute.org. But I want to talk to you now and introduce you to... One of my favorite people in the world, Dr. Ken Druck. He's got a brand new book out, The Real Rules of Life. The Real Rules of Life, Balancing Life's Terms with Your Own. And I've known Ken for a long time. He is a pioneer in the field of executive coaching. He's an author, a psychologist, consultant to top leaders across the country in business and government. And... Uh, before we get onto his book, I want to speak with Ken a little bit, have Ken speak about the backstory, what led up to the book, because Ken spent decades helping people, helping people to win, help them to be more successful, help them to be more in balance with their own lives, and so on. And then he had an unbelievable tragedy in 1996, his daughter. Jenna was killed in an accident, and suddenly Ken had to find a way to help himself, and this led full circle back to helping others, and so I want to first, in the first part of the show, ask Ken to speak about that journey, that profound journey into the self that he took, and how he found in there healing, and how he found contribution to other people. And uh, I'll just say it right now that one of the most important things he did is he founded the Jenna Druck Center, both to honor his daughter, but more importantly, to help families who had lost a child and also to create leadership programs for young women, teenage girls. And they have, they created a, a program called Families, I think it was called Families Helping Families, and uh, where they connected families who had lost a child in the past to those who had just lost one now. He's been called into every you know disaster, whether it was Columbine or wherever kids have been killed or tragedy has struck. So Ken was on, has been on this path for a long time. Ken, welcome to our show. Brad, so good to be with you. Yeah, we love having you here. And could you tell us just a little bit about your journey? Uh, this this journey that you've been on for the last 17 years, I guess, 16 years? Well, 
You know, Raz, we, we all put together this beautiful blueprint of what we want our lives to be and put our heads down and work hard. And, and uh, you know, 16 years ago, which is when I met you first, um, I had been on a very blessed path um, uh, career-wise. I was traveling around the world, giving seminars, um, writing books, and uh, most importantly, my two kids were really in the launch phase. Um, the younger daughter who uh, taught us that about unconditional love, um, everything we needed to know, uh, who had been in the rebel phase of life, uh, was coming around. My oldest daughter, who was a superstar, was traveling the world. She was on a semester at sea program in India, um, and she'd call me from every port. She was dancing in Carnival in Brazil and called me after she met Mandela in South Africa and called from uh, Kenya telling me that Africa was where all of life had begun. And uh, then she called me from India, telling me that Dad, I'm going to be on the, uh, I'm going to be going to the greatest symbol of eternal love in the world, the Taj Mahal, and uh, I'm going to wake up and we're going to watch the sun come up over the Ganges and and go on this extraordinary voyage. And uh, Jenna never made it to the Taj Mahal. She died on a dirt road about 40 miles from uh, the Taj Mahal, right in front of an orphanage. And I got the phone call that every parent uh, absolutely dreads, um, doesn't even want to acknowledge, uh, doesn't want to think about um, from the embassy and from the White House that my daughter had died. And uh, everything turned inside out. Um, everything I believed, uh, the deal that I thought I had struck with the universe by being a you know, good man, a man of integrity, working hard, taking care of my kids, um, my faith, my sense of goodness and beauty, and uh, everything was just turned inside out, and all the wind was taken from my sails. So finding myself at the bottom of pain and uh, in what you and I often refer to as the dark night of the soul um, required a, a major push of the reset button of life. And uh, that's what has occurred the last 16 years. That's the journey that I've been on, and uh, and soon after Jenna died, I knew that I would be doing something to honor her, her life and spirit, and so we did start, as you pointed out, the Jenna Drug Center, and, and I've been honored and privileged to uh, walk this path with literally thousands of other families now, and, uh, and honored to be able to share the distilled essence of everything I've learned from my own experience as well as theirs, but... You know, in that beginning, Raz, when I called you uh, the recommendation of a, of a colleague and said, uh, I want to hear more about this Hoffman process thing, I had no idea. I'd heard of Bob Hoffman uh, as a colleague, but I had no idea. And I uh, explained to you that I was, um, I felt I was dying. And uh, truly, I had already died. Some part of me was still walking around and knew that it, that. I needed help beyond that which I had, uh, I, I even knew existed. And, uh, I talked to you for probably 45 minutes and said, um, listen, buddy, are you going to walk this entire path with me? Because I can't afford to go to a workshop or a retreat where somebody's going to leave me hanging with a lot of uh, psychobabble and a lot of, um, yeah. 
open-ended, uh, you know, conversations. It's like, good, well, we're, you know, the, unfortunately, that's not what this is about. So let's take you over here. I didn't have the luxury. I was, I, I really, um, I really desperately needed um, somebody to walk with me and, and a program and a process that would be able to go into that dark place um, where I was fighting for my life. And uh, you assured me you would walk with me. And that uh, you didn't, you had never gone through what I had been through, but that you would, you would walk with me, and you did. And I came to the process, and there were several foundational revelations and awakenings and awarenesses um, that I had during my week in the process, and have had since that um, really have formed a good part of the foundation of what I'm sharing in this new book. That's wonderful. You know, Ken. Uh those who have studied grief and loss are unanimous in saying that there is no greater loss than losing a child. And uh, one of the things I think I, I guess I have to credit you with uh, that I've learned is that you never do, your heart never closes. In other words, your heart gets broken open and the job then is learning to live with your heart open. At first it's broken open, and then you learn to live with an open heart in a way that you never imagined you'd have to come to terms with. It's impossible to even think about it, I think, uh, until until you're there. And it's a choiceless choice. And somehow you, you found your way to walk on this this sacred dark night of the soul path and have found things that um, that have helped so many thousands of others. Can you tell us just some principles that you've been able to to glean from all of this experience and what it's like when you when you're with a family that's lost a child in some tragic sudden circumstance and what is what is the what is the, the healing process there that they have to enter into? The whole family has to enter into it. How do you initiate that? How do you even sit down with these people? Well, I, I think the first thing you know, and I as I think about all the folks that that we're talking to, each one of us having gone through some kind, if not a tragedy, um, a tragic loss, going through some kind of a setback, a challenge, a transition a major change in, in, in all of our lives, and how do we somehow summon the strength um, to get through this and to reinvent our lives, to fight our way out of uh, a despair or a knowingness into, into this new life, which we feel so unfamiliar in. And it all starts for me with the idea that, that we can only go one breath at a time. We only breathe one breath at a time. And that if we take care of this breath, um, somehow the next one's going to take care of itself. And uh, I think when we try to do too much too soon, or we're told or convinced that we should be doing something, that there's a, a path or there are phases to go through or there's a program. You know, I remember sitting with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was a friend and a mentor at the end of her own life, and her telling me, Ken, you know, all those stages of grief and 
all this stuff that I did, it was meant as a corrective. It was meant as a structure. And she said, you know, that's not at all how it works. We, we're all over the place. We, you know, we're trying to survive. We're in survival mode in that beginning. And we do go through passages, but they're so uneven. uneven. So I think number one is one breath at a time, is that not to try to get ahead of ourselves. And I do that when I'm with families, just to, uh, just to make sure that we are going slow and that I have no other agenda in the world other than being with them, being a witness and a healing, quiet presence who has no compulsion to hurry them or fix them or heal them or change them or transform them or any of the things that may come later organically. My only agenda is to truly be a presence with them where there are no messages from me about what they should or shouldn't be doing. Um, they're trying to organize uh, more greater pain than they've ever imagined was humanly possible. And they're trying to somehow survive that and put pieces of a puzzle together that really never fits. And uh, the second thing, I think, is to, is to, is really the practice of self-compassion. Um, we are so unknowingly and unconsciously self-critical. I mean, some of us have gotten to the point where we can hear the conversation in our head as we beat ourselves up and criticize and brutalize and, and judge and condemn ourselves. But, and the process is so brilliant in revealing and pulling back the covers on that. But I think we still underestimate how in subtle ways we judge ourselves rather than uh, extending a hand to ourselves, the hand of self-compassion, of patience, of kindness and encouragement to self and gentleness, because we are going to be on an uneven path for quite a long time if we've suffered a traumatic loss. And we're going to, we're really going to need that kindness for ourselves. So I think that's the second piece. And it's the second piece that I learned, uh, that I, that I just had to go at my own pace. Um, yep. The third, yeah. So anyhow, those are the starters. Well, listen, uh, we're just going to take a little break, Ken. We're going to come back in just a minute. We want to hear more about the third and fourth, however many steps you got there. Um, so we're talking with Dr. Ken Druck, his brand new book, "The Real Rules of Life: Balancing Life Terms, Life's Terms with Your Own." We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? 
the Hoffman process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. And we're back talking with Dr. Ken Druck, psychologist, author, speaker, and inspiration to anyone who has come across the inconsolable grief of losing a child and we're talking at in this first part of the show with what good can come of grief we're going to be talking a little later about ken's new book the real rules of life balancing life's terms with your own but for now i also want to encourage listeners who might want to uh, speak with ken and gain his wisdom to call us on the air with your questions at one 472 5788 that's 18664725788 so we're back with uh, with Ken now and Ken uh, I asked you what you you know how do you sit with people and when when they've experienced the loss of a child what where do you begin and you gave us two principles one breath at a time second is cultivating self compassion and patience that's a big uh, order right there self compassion and then what other stages or steps do you have, Ken? Yeah, and by the way, Rez, you know, all of these things, it's not, it, you know, what I learned writing, the, I started writing this book a couple of years ago with the intention of helping families who had suffered the loss of a loved one. And what I what I realized when I was winding down the first uh, draft of the book and I showed it to a couple of friends was they said, you know, this isn't for grieving people necessarily. This is for everybody. This is for people... <laughs> who have gone through a divorce or just went for their physical and got diagnosed with a serious life-threatening illness or or somebody who's going through a transition or a tremendous challenge time or somebody who had the it's time to change light bulb go off so it, all of these things will apply to you know to to everybody is what i've learned and the third thing that i think is so critical and again it's a toughie is what I call the objection. You know, when something happens in our lives, um, it's, it's almost like we're a, not a very grief-literate culture. We want people to sit like good little boys and girls with their arms and legs folded and not get too angry. We want to be good grievers. We want to be good, you know, people who just learned about a health problem or just found out we're not going to be married anymore. Or, you know, we, we expect people to sit still when there is a tremendous amount of energy building up inside confusion, humiliation, frustration, feelings of abandonment, you know, the whole spectrum of things that we feel uh, when our world has been turned inside out. Now, what do we do with all that? 
And uh, one of the things, of course, that the the Hoffman process is brilliantly choreographed to assist people is in the deep release of all that's that's built up over the decades, over uh, over the traumas, the losses, the changes in our lives. And I call those things. I call this expression the objection. It's the part of us that needs to scream out, you know what, this part of life, forget about putting a spin on this. This sucks. I hate this. I hate the way this turned out. It's the impotent rage that so many of us carry around and think we can transform into um, positive thinking, transform into this, that, and the other thing, but it sits there until we really allow we get out of the way and we have a safe place to deeply release it um, out of our bodies and into the universe which is much better suited to handle it so what i think is critically important is people giving themselves permission to object to whatever's happened that has thrown um, uh, thrown them a curve in life or has them going through a rough stretch and to be able to cry out and make the sounds of a person who who uh, is humiliated, who's frustrated, who's hurt, who's deeply sorrowful, and give ourselves the time and the permission to release all of that. Mm. Well, that's beautiful. And and I think you do have a fourth point in there, too. Is there, There's the yeah. objection. There's one breath. There's self-compassion, cultivating self-compassion in patients. There is having the... The right to object and to uh, yep. to know that you do not have to have to come to terms with this right away. This is a horrible thing, and be able to admit that for to yourself, not right. try to make it better. Hiding it, the... denying it, repressing yep. it, avoiding it is is not going to cut it. And I think we cut ourselves off prematurely from a lot of those emotions, and which is why all the follow up groups are so important for people who've been in the process. And it's, you know, it's difficult for friends and even family members to be with someone who's in this deep loss because they don't know what to say. And so there's also sometimes a sense of even isolation. It's like, okay, the, the tragedy happened and now it's been four months and, uh, when are you going to get over it? You know, That's right. it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. I remember when you called me, you mentioned that phone call, um, and I said, how long ago did this happen? And you, I think you said six months. And I said to you, Ken, you know, you're, you know, I, no one can help you. <laughs> yep. What do you think I can do? And, but, and, and I remember you're saying to me, uh, I understand, but I'm not grieving in a healthy way. And I need some help to get back on this path so I actually can grieve. And uh, so I, I agreed to walk that with you, but it's uh, it is that self compassion, that patience, and um, and then what is that? What is the next thing you've got there? I remember well, whereas you know, in, and and it comes up big time in the new book as you know, there are no deals. Chapter three, as you know, right. is called "There Are No Deals: Life's Real Terms." Um, and I think when we go through some kind of a change and we're sitting there saying life is not fair, this is not fair, my husband's not fair, my job's, you know, whatever it is that hasn't been fair, my health, you know, I've done all the right things, how could this happen? It forces all of us 
to go to dive deep into looking at and take taking ownership of the attributions that we've made to God, to life. I mean, I remember going to the process and being so angry at God, raging and railing um, in some of my work at the process at God until I realized that these were all attributions. You know, I had God as the puppeteer who was pulling all the strings. You know, how could God let this happen was my question. And then I caught myself, as I think we all have the opportunity of doing, of catching ourselves in the beliefs that we've constructed about life, being fair, about God, uh, having certain powers. You know, somebody said to me shortly after that, you know, God is the force of love and goodness in the world. God isn't the puppeteer. So I think we're invited to a very important awareness and awakening. And that is, and it means taking ownership of the attributions we've made to God and life and understanding that life does not strike deals. Nobody gets an exemption card. Nobody has an, a free pass out of jail. Uh, nobody is immune. That life has its own terms and that we should fiercely, you know, dream our dreams and pursue our dreams. But we should do so with the humility of knowing that life will have its say as well. Now, sometimes life has its say in the form of miracles. You know, not that we all win the lottery, but but the simple joys and miracles of life are waiting for us just around the corner. So it's not always a tragedy that we're having to manage, but we well, do need this- to take ownership. There's this uh, the thing that's that that I think about when you speak uh, about there are no deals, is that so often people imagine that they can get, you know, God, the universe, the great spirit, whatever words you want to put on that, the you know the felt sense of the, this great other uh, that we're that we're engaged in, that there's this idea that people can get that to serve them, and. And if they make a deal, they can get it to serve them. And I think there is some truth, at least I've discovered, and I believe you have too, that there is some truth in turning that equation the other way around, and that is to say serving whatever you want to call it, the divine, serving other people. And I don't mean like giving yourself up selflessly, but that this then becomes a path in which a context in which so much more can be revealed. And I I remember how in the depth of your grief, literally your daughter, you began to hear your daughter speaking to you and telling you, Dad, you can help people. You you're 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 the one who can actually do this. You know what it means. And that working your way through your grief also meant serving other people. Exactly. And and so there is, uh, there, there are no deals, but there are some um, <laughs> some higher and lower ways to go through it. There's a high road and a low road, and everything in between. But exactly, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, we we do get to we don't get to play God, right? Um, we you know we don't get to know the exact and precise nature of how things work in the universe. What we do get 
is to live out the rest of our lives as an expression of our love for those we've lost, as an expression of what we've learned um, that we know will be helpful to other people. We do get to pay that forward as a way of honoring both ourselves and those we've lost. And uh, we can we can make that choice, but it's not a cut and dry thing, you know. Which is one of the other realities that and real rules that we deal with, it, which is that, you know, we're it, it's not that you wake up one morning and you decide I'm going to be on the path of hope. I'm 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 going to cut off the path of despair. No, there are going to be days where we wander down, and we're curious about the path of despair. And, uh, and and some days that's the best we can do. But ultimately, when we arrive at that crossroads and each of us with the challenges that we face in our lives every day, and we're all going through them, you know, ultimately we have to decide where, which side of the road am I going to walk on? What am I yeah. going to cultivate? There's that old story of the, you know, the grandfather talking to his grandchild about the, the two wolves within. And uh, grandfather says, you know, there, there's the one that lives in harmony with nature, and then there's the one with the voracious appetite. And the little grandson says, you know, but grandpa, which one wins? And the grandfather says, the one that I feed. What yeah. do we cultivate every day? Do we practice? And, and a good example for me in the beginning was, you know, I'd be walking out of the supermarket uh, months after, still in a, in a state of shock, and some little kid at the checking me out for you know whatever food i got would say you know have a nice day and i would bite back you know yeah i'm, I'm sure i'm going to have a nice day my daughter just died and and then i'd end up apologizing it's like what am i cultivating am i going to become bitter and cynical and despairing and punish the world for what i've been through or am i going to hold the light of, of my, my love for my daughter Beautiful. Now, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Dr. Ken Druck, and we're going to be speaking to him about his his new book, The Real Rules of Life, Balancing Life's Terms with Your Own. This first part of the show really had all of us know that he has earned the right to talk about this the hard way. And so if you'd like to ask Ken a question, by the way, join our show. Call one 866 472 5788 We'll be back with the Hoffman Connection in just a few minutes. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. 
According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. This is Raz and Grossi with The Hoffman Connection. We're talking with Dr. Ken Druck, speaking about his new book, The Real Rules of Life, Balancing Life's Terms with Your Own. And this book is fantastic. And, and one of the things I love most about it, Ken, is just the recognition that uh, the fundamental fact about life is that it's unpredictable. It's alive and it's moving and we can't see where it's going. Uh, you, you know, and there's this paradox of us wanting to control things and, and, and yet it being beyond control. You've got some great titles, the chapters, like Losing It is Finding It and uh, Truth is Courage and things like that. But one of the ones that jumped out at me was Listening as Love. And could you talk just a little bit about what you mean by listening as love? Raz, the greatest gift that we can give to another person is the gift of feeling understood. Uh, somebody is looking into our eyes, undistracted, and we realize they get it, and it closes a circuit. It somehow allows us to feel met and joined and connected and uh, in, in, the, in the most dear and important of ways. And I think listening, you know, we, we spend our lives becoming better listeners. We have uh, on my website, we have a, a, a downloadable report card called the Listening Report Card, and we encourage people to take it and then to give it to somebody that, that knows them well and have them give you the grades that they think you get in 25 areas of listening. But we can break it down. What people do are exceptional listeners and what quality difference exists in all of their relationships, their partners, their kids, their parents, their colleagues, um, their friends, their neighbors, whatever. But the fundamental, the fundamental element of any successful communication is listening. And it is truly an act of service and love to put yourself in service to the other person and draw them out uh, and to truly allow yourself to experience, to the extent it's possible, what they're going through, what they've been I, I, through. I really like what you're saying there because I think so many of us have had the experience of someone being there for us when we needed someone, we just needed someone to be there for us. And and yet what you're saying now is, hey, here's a, there's a certain methodology to that. There's a way of doing it. It doesn't just fall out of the sky. You can learn it. You can do it. And it's the greatest gift you can give other human yep. beings. 
And each one of us can probably pick one or two things that we can do and concentrate on to become a much better listener. And if you have a question about what it is, just ask the people that love you. Ask the people around you to be honest and direct with you and tell you if in a perfect world what one thing could you do to become an even better listener, to become more approachable, to become safer to talk to. And uh, that that is a great gift. That's a humbling and empowering gift all at once. What is the address of your website? Uh, KenDruck.com. That's it. www.KenDruck.com. And that we can. There's where we can get that downloadable. Um, get that download. Listening and, test. Yeah, absolutely. Great. And find out where the book is being sold and all that good information. Now I want to ask you another question. Real rule number ten: Control is an illusion. Need to ta- need to know when it's time to let go. And yep. uh, talk a little bit about that too. Well, the, who are the greatest teachers in our culture of of uh, to us as adults that controls an illusion? Our kids. You know, that's what they're, they're great teachers. We should bow at their feet um, because as soon as we feel like we, you know, we have control and that's our job and, and uh, you know, parenting is an interesting dance and it's, it's the dance is of letting go of control and empowering somebody and believing in them and giving them the tools to control themselves, to self-regulate, to self-manage to have the confidence in themselves. And when we overextend our welcome as parents, our kids do what? You know, they they find ingenious ways of showing us that control is an illusion. But I think the overall lesson, uh, you know, how many of us, for how many of us is control an issue that's inhibiting movement in our lives? I was with uh, a CEO that I coached uh, the other day whose business is exploding but it's creating a crisis for her because she's not able to do the, the the floors and the windows and all the things that used to give her a felt sense of contributing value. Now she has 300 people working for her. She can't do those things, and she's feeling a sense of loss of control. And that is what and she's shooting herself in the foot. Now she's micromanaging. She's getting in the way. And other people, it's driving other people crazy. So how do we let go of control, have faith in what we're embracing as we release one thing? What are we embracing? And if we can see that that thing that we're embracing is a higher good and it's something that we have faith in ourselves to bring it to a positive outcome, then it makes it easier for us to release. And by the way, after each chapter, as you know, there are a set, and because you know, I've spent the last 35 years coaching people, I put in every one of the top exercises and things that I've been encouraging people to try to do to self-coach, to self-direct exercises. There are all kinds of exercises at the end of every chapter. Well, you know, life is, has presents us with so many paradoxical situations, and one of the things I love about your book is that you are introducing us, you're, you're encouraging us to embrace the paradoxes of life, uh, like losing it is finding it, and some of these other, uh, what was the one, Life Isn't Perfect? What's that one called, that chapter? I, I don't have it right in front of me right now. You know um, what, I'm, I'm not even sure. But it's, but it's <laughs> yeah, it's, these, are, these are all, you know, paradox, as you and I have, have discussed, 
that if you really want to deepen your awareness, if you want to move to that, that deeper uh, source, then understanding that so many things are true paradoxically, you know, is, is the key. That, you know, my, when people say, you know, your daughter's gone, my daughter is gone. I held her body. When she her body came back from India, I held her in my arms. But she's also here. She's so present. She's so present that the intimacy is at times even overwhelming, that she is such a loving presence in my heart and in my life. You know, then we also talked before about brokenness and wholeness. We're so ashamed, you know, we, we want to look good to the world. And if our hearts are broken and, and we're really struggling in a period of struggling in our life and in, 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 in a wall of unknowingness, you know, we want to look so good that what we'll do is uh, deny the fact that uh, that we're in we're going through this so paradoxically we're broken we're confused but in our admitting it we're more whole than ever it's like my god that's the first time i've ever been able to say that um how how vulnerable i am how much i struggle how hard some of this stuff is for me and that transparency and vulnerability brings us closer to the people who love us makes us more real and approachable and empowers us uh, to be credible. So, well, there's this this thing that you were just talking about this the paradox of your daughter's gone, but she's more present to you or as present to you as ever. And uh, I really do know that we have to gain a tolerance and acceptance of paradox and confusion in order to find. In order to experience truth and healing and love and clarity, and, and clarity, yeah, yep, absolutely. And but that's such a hard lesson for us. We almost have to try it out, try it in little doses to find out the truth of it. And it's and, learning, you know, one of the things to do is go up to somebody and apologize. Yeah, tell me about that. No, just as as one exercise, you know, to experience the power of an apology to go up to somebody and humble ourselves and say, I think I owe you an apology. Right. You know, I, and um, I think I've done something, uh, you know, I have a bad habit or I think I've been arrogant or I think I was self-righteous or I think I was defensive or I think I really have a blind spot. You know, the power, harnessing the power of that humility, of that shadow side of us, of, of that mm. unknown and young side of us, Part of what I love about the Hoffman process is the safety and the permission that it, it's unprecedented that people have to be young. There's no pathology. There's no, you're not going to get psychopathologized. You're not going to get judged in some subtle new age way. But the safety that people have to, to possess young parts of ourselves and to, and to, and then the tools to help those parts begin to evolve and grow and flourish and develop. Well, we're going to talk with Ken a little bit more. We're going to take a break in a minute, but Ken has just touched upon something so important because there is a magic world that we encountered as children where we had private conversations with ourselves, with our angels, with our God, and um, they formed us. Ken will be right back to talk more about that.
Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. This is Raz and Grossi, and we're talking with Dr. Ken Druck about his new book, The Real Rules of Life, Balancing Life's Terms with Your Own. And we've we spent 45 minutes so far talking about the, you know, the, the, the kinds of horrible losses that people go through that aren't fair and how you recover from that, how you recover yourself, how you recover self-compassion. And all that's pretty deep stuff, and it's powerful and amazing, and we all need to learn it. But, Ken, I want to ask you, what's, where's the place of joy in all this? How do you find joy again? That's what we all want to feel. You start talking a little bit about recovering yourself as a, you know, in your youth. And one of the attributes of youth is, is joy. And um, could you talk a little bit about that, the place Absolutely. of joy in your, in your recovery and your healing? You know, Raz, the, one of the most elusive things in the world is and can be joy. is not, And not just joy in the sense of, you know, the exuberant throwing your hands up in the air, but our appreciation of the simple miracles and beauty and the elements of this life which are around us. When I say in the first chapter, you know, life isn't fair, it's more than fair. What I'm talking about is that it's an, it's incredible. How, how can we be speeding through space on this little blue planet, breathing air, conscious, creating, talking in language that we actually understand one another? Um, how do we sustain awareness how do we grow? How do we become aware of ourselves? How do we connect and love and, and form such deep intimacy? Um, you know, how do we form peace and connectedness to other people? 
These are the miracles of life. Life is more than fair in that sense. Life is a smorgasbord of miracles. Um, our senses, through our senses, through our connection and communication with other people and our capacity to co-create. So for me, you know, it's it's not only a challenge of turning adversity into opportunities for personal deepening or opportunities for, you know, for healing and so on. It's it's taking the gifts and the blessings and the gratitude that that is there every day for the things in our lives. You know, we, we one incident very quickly. I remember sitting around in the beginning of starting the Gender Drug Center with, with uh, about 35 family members in a room, everybody in more pain than the other person, lamenting about our losses when a homeless gentleman walked in the room. He had spent three months on the streets of San Diego um, eating out of garbage can- cans after his wife and only son were killed in a head-on auto accident, he was sued, he lost all of his money, he lost his job as a social worker, and he walked in the room and it was obvious because that he hadn't showered in a long time and he was destitute. And everybody looked around in that room. People who went home to food that night, people who went home to shelter, people who still had family members, and they thought of his, the utter destruction in his life and how he had the courage to show up that night. Of course, he left with about $500 in cash in his pocket, and we set him up in a hotel, and he went to work for the Jenna Drug Center and became, uh, he had experience as a social worker, and today he works in Arizona as a social worker again. But it gave us all a sense of how blind we can become to the gifts and the blessings and the things that that still remain in our lives and how important it is to cultivate that appreciation and to live in the light of that and the joy of the things that are there that we get to grow in this life. Well, I think it's it's true that as we heal, our path of contribution opens up before us and what we have to contribute is our own healing. And I love hearing how you have how you engage so many other people on that path. And um, is the name of that one program Families Helping Families? Is that what it's yes, called? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, it's, and tell, it's, us just, tell us just a little. Yeah, tell us just a little bit about how that. You know, works. Families Helping Families is a free support and education program for families. Families have come from all over the world, and we have uh, programs. Uh, we have about seven different support groups programs for people who've suffered living losses. In other words, somebody they love has disappeared or is estranged or debilitated or strung out uh, or uh, maybe away in in the military or incarcerated, who knows. And we have uh, support groups for people who are going through, uh, who've suffered violent losses and so on and so forth. We have a grief education program. And um, it, it is a comprehensive program. We have programs for the workplace, programs for kids in schools, anybody dealing with loss, and we're trying to teach grief literacy in a very positive way because we believe that if grief literacy is better understood and people stop trying to figure out and fix those who can't be fixed or figured out and simply show up and be a loving presence for them, then we also are learning love literacy. And uh, we're learning something about what it truly means to be with somebody else and have no other agenda other than to be present. 
and to be a, a force of love. So that's what Families Helping Families is. And when parents grow enough skin back to help somebody else, they pay it forward. And all of our staff are volunteers who've suffered losses who donate their time. And uh, it's just a program I'm very proud of. And uh, the stories of Families Helping Families from 9-11 to Columbine to Hurricane Katrina are all uh, encapsulated in this book as teaching stories. Oh, that's amazing, and it's beautiful. And um, it over and over again, as you speak one way or another, what I keep learning from you, keep hearing from you, is that the real deal. You know, there's you, you say um, the real terms, but the real deal is that there's there's only now. That the future exists now, as we speak about it. There's no place the future. There's no place the past. And that our challenge is to be in the present moment with full hearts, love, presence to each other. And uh, that's the best game in town. And uh, that's what I keep hearing you say, Ken, over and over again, one way or another. And that you don't need to, you don't need a deal to find the deepest riches of life. And um, Yeah, you the, don't need the, to show up right here, right now, open our eyes and but do it without forcing or pressuring or beating ourselves up or faulting or guilting but do it from a place inside of kindness to self gentleness patience forgiveness and self-compassion and that is the single most empowering element of transformation is pra- is having a daily practice of self-compassion ken has Shown us not only in his book, but in his life, how to, how to embrace the, some of the most difficult changes we're ever going to encounter. And we are all going to encounter them. Every one of us. And it's part of life. It's a blessed and sacred part of life. Ken has walked that path profoundly and brings to us his wisdom and his knowledge with love. So the real rules of life, balancing life's terms with your own. Ken Druck, I think it, today is the, uh, First day it's out on the market. Today is the and, uh, release date for the book. Yep. It'll now be in all the stores and available on Amazon and so on. And Raz, I want a, a message to you. And, and as we wind down, is that mm. um, there there would be no real rules of life. There would no, not be a Jenna Drug Center. Um, we don't get to do this alone. We can't meet all of our own needs as human beings, and we need to show up for each other. You and the Hoffman process have done that for me big time. You have really shown up. I love you for it. I appreciate you for it eternally, and I thank you for your way of paying it forward. Thank you so much, Ken. And I want to just mention to our listeners that next week on the Hoffman Connection will be Dr. Elizabeth Lindsay. Dr. Elizabeth Lindsay is one of, I think it's 27 of the certified explorers of the National Geographic Society. She is one of the people, there are only like 27, I think she's the first woman, uh, they send these people around the world to do the discoveries that are you know, chronicled in the National Geographic. Join us next week. She's a humanist and ecologist, and you will love her. See you next week on the Hoffman Connection.
Thank you again for being a part of the Hoffman Connection. Please join your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon, again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, make it an outstanding week.